What's going on guys? Kevin Estello of Fieldcraft Survival. I'm the host of this advertisement for this podcast. Guys, uh, this podcast is only possible with our sponsors, with the folks that advertise here. And I want to recognize two of them. The first sponsor is Sig Sauer. Guys, Sig Sauer is more than a firearms company. Sig Sauer produces a lot of the accessories for those firearms that they do make, including amazing ammunition. I want to talk to you about that ammunition just for a hot second. I'm a ballistics nerd. I've attended the Sig Sauer Academy, Precision Scope Rifle, Advanced Precision Scope Rifle, Reach for a Thousand. When I was living out in Utah and we were using the Kafaru property out there, I mean, I was shooting out to 980 yards on a regular basis. And I'll tell you some of the best ammo that I found to do that, Sig Sauer ammunition. Something that you should know about their ammo in ballistics and long range shooting, you gotta know what standard deviation is between the rounds. You don't want one round that's going say 2,600 feet per second and another round that's going 2,400 feet per second out of the same lot. Well, the SIG ammo has a very, very low standard deviation. That's what I've found. We're talking only five feet per second, which is very negligible. So I love the stuff that SIG puts out there. They make great, great ammo, including some really good ammo for their 365. They have a special round that is designed for that pistol and other short micro compact pistols like the 365. So I'm a huge fan of SIG and I'm very thankful for them being, you know, one of the podcast sponsors. And of course, if you are going to train and you're going to carry a pistol, maybe you're going to carry their ammunition, then I would recommend that you guys train at the Six Hour Academy. It's up in New Hampshire and they also have training around the country, but that's their primary location. And the SIG training is awesome. You can do everything from pistol to carbine to shotgun to precision scope rifle. You name it, you can do it there. So guys, please head over to SIGSAUR.com. Take a look at all the things that they have to offer. Now, there's another company that I want to recommend, and it's what I currently have in my tumbler right here, and that is Hoist. Hoist Hydration. Uh, there is a 10% off discount if you use the code FIELDCRAFT10. That is F I. E-L-D-C-R-A-F-T-1-0. Guys, go to the website, www.drinkhoist.com. Hoist hydration is pretty awesome because it has very little sugar. If you spend a lot of time working out, you need to replace your electrolytes. Hoist is a great drink to do that. In addition, Hoist has no artificial colors. So, you know, you go to the store and like you want to get an energy drink and a lot of people, mainly kids, get attracted by like the bright colors that they see in the refrigerator. Well, you're not going to find that with Hoist, but you are going to find a drink that is going to help you rehydrate. And it's used by a lot of elite athletes. Our instructors here at the company love Hoist. When I was out in Utah, we'd get cases of Hoist and every once in a while, I'd be able to steal one or two away from our marketing director who has a whole refrigerator of it. So if you guys ever go to our tower office or if you ever run by his office, go to his refrigerator, maybe he'll never notice it. Take a couple of the bottles, try it out. I think you're gonna love it. Guys, Hoist Hydration is awesome stuff. I found it nationally, right? You can probably find it in your grocery store or you can, like I said, you can go to www.drinkhoist.com and you can use that coupon code FIELDCRAFT10 and get yourself a discount off of Hoist. So I'm gonna tell you, it's good stuff. You know, people say you need to hydrate. I agree, most people are walking around dehydrated. Well, you might wanna do something about that. You might wanna drink Hoist. All right, guys, here we go. Let's get to this podcast. Greg, thanks for uh, coming out, man. 
Man, thanks for having me out here. Truly humbled. It's been a fucking awesome weekend so far. Dude, it's been amazing. Oh, that's like, that's Greg's BioPro. I was wondering what that is. That's like, Greg's little bio, bio profile, bro. <laughs> Leave, he's leaving stuff all over your house. Leave that little guy right there. Um, so, uh, for just for context for people who are listening to this, um, who are you? I mean, who's I'm a, who's I'm Greg a, I'm a broken down 44 year old. <laughs> no, um, yeah, my name's Greg Lappin. Uh, Twenty years now in law enforcement and government contracting. You know, started as a typical patrol cop in New Orleans, uh, worked mostly uh, special special investigations, uh, street crimes, plainclothes, narcotics, stuff like that. Contracted for several years, did the whole st- State Department triple canopy thing, mm. worked for OGA uh, for a little while on the Scorpion side, uh, worked as a mentor advisor over in Abu Dhabi for several years, and then came back stateside. Got back on the job. I'm now a, a one on the SWAT team with our parish in Louisiana. Mm. I'm one of their explosive breachers. Uh, I'm a jujitsu black belt and uh, opened my own academy about five years ago. And living the life, you know, doing SWAT stuff, blowing stuff up, and choking dudes, and you know, raising my family. I was thinking about last night. I mean, um, Greg Lappin and Greg Anderson have been staying at my house, and I was thinking about like the level of experience you guys got, and just the kind of I mean, you, you don't recognize it potentially because you, you, you're you with the company you keep. But it's like, what motivates a dude to do everything? Like, just to be, it's like that version of be all you could be in the military where you like, you have all these opportunities in life. Most people don't take advantage. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, more rare, you have men like you, like Greg Anderson, that just go all out. I mean, you do it all. Hard in the paint. Yeah, hard in the paint. You know, sure. honestly, and and like this is a perfect example. And, and now in my mid forties, with what I've accomplished, where I've worked, you know, I, I've I've worked in the highest level of of law enforcement, SWAT special operations. Um, I was kind of a ship magnet, so you know, I've been in a lot of different uh, major incidents and Hurricane Katrina and other stuff. As um, a New Orleans police officer. As a New Orleans police it's officer. Crazy. Um, but when I was younger. I think part of my motivation was when I was younger, I tried to get in the military. This was pre-war and I was disqualified for a food allergy and I applied for a waiver, everything waiver denied pre-war. After the war kicked off, I went into an army recruiter and submitted all new paperwork, lied about everything, went to MEPS again for like the third time and went to the, the job counselor after going through MEPS all day. Yeah. And they're like, all right, cool. And a guy came in and was like, wait, hold the fuck on, <laughs> you know? And they found my old paperwork. Oh, Dude, you're no. disqualified. Yeah. So um, that's when I went Did down they and say you lied cop. or something? Or is, or- yeah. I, I, I faked the next thing with the Army because I originally went in with the Navy yeah. to MEPS. Yeah. And, but they found my paperwork and I was disqualified from military. So I went down to New Orleans to become a cop in the most dangerous city in the country at the time. Yeah. And uh, I got everything I wanted, man. I was in my opinion, super lucky as a cop, you know, and I worked in the worst areas and got into foot chases and fights and, and shootings and car chases and the whole nine yards. It was a cop's dream, a young, you know, a young crime fighters dream. But then when I got into the contracting world, you know, here I am the shitbird cop around dudes like you yeah, around unit guys around, you know, Rangers, RRD guys, uh, force Rico's before Marsoc, but force recon guys. And, SF dudes and SEALs and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, man, why am I here? Yeah. 
And I just made sure every team I ever went, every selection I ever went, I didn't give anyone an excuse to be like, that dude Lappin's a piece of shit. So shooting, I made sure I could fucking shoot better than everybody. That's awesome. When I was home on rotation, I'm shooting, I'm dry firing every day. I'm in my little room, my chew on, you know, on deployments, dry firing, dry firing. I made sure I could PT with the best of them, swim with the best of them. I studied freaking five paragraph op orders to make sure I wasn't a shitbird with that stuff. You know, whatever yeah. it was, I was like, I'm not going to give these motherfuckers an excuse for everything. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. Every team I ever went to, the same thing applied the first like week or so. No one really wants to ask what you, but you show up, you're in shape. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know how to, make how, you know how to move, they make assumptions. I've got good hair and a tan. So they're like, you're a seal. You're a seal. You're a seal. Yeah, definitely a seal. You're a seal, guys. right? Definitely a seal. And, uh, and then they find out I'm just a cop. I'm like, no, I was never in the military. I was a cop. And they go, oh, you're a shitbird immediately, right? Yeah. And then for the next week, I'm a shitbird. And then we do some big training thing or we get into some sort of contact or something. And we're like, oh, fucking lapping squared away. I don't yeah, care. He's a cop. Yeah. He's a good dude. But I've carried that with me my entire life. And for me, having a lack of capability is uh, it's, a, it's unacceptable. Mm. And we were talking about last night, you know, I got my pilot's license last September. Mm. And I'm just always, there's there's enough hours in the day. There is. People spend too much time sitting on this fucking thing, yeah. the Google machine, you know. Make and, the time. Yeah. Make the time. There's enough hours in the day. And um, not that I'm a workaholic. I love life. I enjoy life. I have fun. But I don't want anyone to ever say, Greg, I need you to come up here and help me with this. Or I need fucking help. Like, dude, I don't know how to do that. I can't come. I can't come tow you out, Mike. Because I don't have the vehicle that's capable or I don't have the equipment or the know-how or the knowledge. You know, dude, Greg, I need you to come fly in here and pick me up. Fucking roger that. I can go rent this airplane and we can fly and get it. And it's just, you know, always the white belt. You said it yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, we we rolled. We rolled and trained yesterday in the mm -hmm. Jiu-Jitsu Academy. And like, that's the mentality for, for life, I think, that we should have and that you have. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're all sitting here. Yeah. I think it's very impactful. I mean, the best dudes I've known because they didn't have really the ego from their experiences. They didn't think they made it. Were law enforcement officers that I served with in contracting. I mean, some of the old school GRS guys were those guys. Yeah. But it's also a significant experience. Being a police officer, you see a lot. And it you're exposed to so many different things, whether it's just interactions, contacts, officer-involved shootings, SWAT, SWAT operations, planning, all the things. And I think when you look at the totality of your experience, it's like made you who you are, right? Which is very well-rounded. I, I I had an interest. Uh, I talked to Greg Anderson and then he brought up your name a, a while back. I mean, it's been a while when we started talking about um, bringing back jujitsu into our program. We used to have it years ago, but I suffered a, a neck injury, uh, which was on and off throughout my military career. And it flared up from jujitsu. And so I took a couple of years, a few years break. It's been yeah. three years. And I wanted to reintroduce it into the program. And Greg Anderson was the guy. And he said, Hey, well, you got to meet Greg Lappin too. Cause he's like the guy. Two Gregs are better than one, bro. <laughs> G1 and G2 is what we call them. So when it comes to, um, Brazilian jujitsu, what's your experience and like how, What's your spending some time with me and kind of feel craft and what we're doing? How would it benefit the consumer who's looking to be better prepared? So for me, and we, you brought this up yesterday. For me, you know, jujitsu is kind of the the foundation. That first that that 
pouring the concrete foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're the weapon. Mm. We're the we're the the piece of equipment. We're the the database up here. The guns, the knives, the this, the that. Those are just tools, mm. extensions of of the main weapon. And if you're not if if you're not physically trained, both physically fit and and technically proficient, and then mentally capable to to initiate violence, mm. um, to go on the offense, then the rest of the tools do nothing for you, mm-hmm. zero. And for me, the one reason I've stuck in jujitsu for now fourteen years, and I've done a lot of stuff like you, you know, I've I've raced street bikes, mm-hmm. I've raced. Uh, desert enduro i've done rally stuff i've raced open wheel cars i've skydived i've I've done all this stuff like chasing that dopamine dump and you know i shot ipsic uh, uspsa for Mm -hmm. several years i'm friends with max michelle and everything that i've ever done and this is going to come off sounding arrogant but i've achieved a certain level where i was like i was running with some like pro guys rather quickly i was like okay i'm happy with this i'm comfortable Mm -hmm. with this and jujitsu is the only thing i'm like fuck man, I still suck. <laughs> you oh, know? interesting. You yeah. know? Uh, so true. Yeah. You know, like I tell my guys, Hey, get ready. You'll never be good at this. Yeah. And I say that from, from a, a point of reference. Yeah. I'm a black belt and you know, I compete and, but the black belts that I hang out with can toy with me. Yeah. So you're like never good at this. Yeah. And, and jujitsu builds a resilience. It builds a work ethic. It builds a, a, a an innate toughness in you. And then it builds a community and tribe like no other because we suffer together. You know, you see your students in every level of emotional state mm. throughout training with them and you see them happy and you see them sad and you see them ecstatic and you see them crying mm-hmm. and they come up and they hold you and they hug you. And it's amazing to share that bond with mm-hmm. other humans and fuck even me, like I've cried in front of my students, Yeah, you know, to be that vulnerable. Oh my God, that's professor. He's a black belt. You know, it's like, they see you put it on the line. They know you care and you build, you just, you turn into a fucking diamond, you know? Dude, it's such an amazing, I mean, just the, like I, I've always, it's it's kind of made me sad being away from, I think martial arts period. Like Absolutely. I grew up in it and jujitsu especially and it seeing what it does to people, right? Seeing what it does, what I try to um, emulate on a range experience in a 20 minute roll session, you could emulate in jujitsu, right? Yeah. Cause it's, you learn so much about yourself and about um, your true capability. And it just makes you, like you said, a diamond. It makes you a better version of yourself. Absolutely. What I, what I recognized you know, yesterday, I think somebody asked me once, they said, so Mike, what do you, it might've been um, recently. They said, um, so what do you think skill level you're at? I remember being like at a skill level of a purple belt. Like I was, Every day. That's my life. Right, yeah. And after grinding with you guys a little yesterday, where I almost, like this morning, a perfect example, I got up this morning and I rolled the blanket off. And when I grabbed it, I grabbed it. Yeah. <laughs> but I used to do that yeah. when I was in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And, and what I realized, like I was dreaming about um, the lasso. Yeah, um, yeah, the guard. lasso guard, yeah. And I used to do that. That was my life. I was thinking about it and it, it made me better overall. In yes. Life, right. Because my focus wasn't on Instagram. My focus wasn't in toxic things. It was in this positive experience, making myself better. And when I impacted you guys, like you, you mauled me and Greg mauled me a little bit. 
it, it felt home. Yeah. And it felt very connected and it reminded me of an, of experiences that were very memorable. And and I felt like, dude, this is I've been missing this in my life. Absolutely. Something's been a void in my life. And yeah. that's what it is. And I realized after perceiving that I was purple, because that's what I used to do. Right. And having no t- not touching it at all, I am definitely white. And and I'm definitely new and I'm yeah. definitely starting over. But that's okay. That's the best. That's okay. That's the best thing. And and we said this yesterday, but you'll after a month of training daily, four or five days a week, you'll get it. it yeah. It'll 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 ramp back up. And I said this to the guys last night. I got excited yesterday because after we finished our little round, mm-hmm. you had a different look in your eye and on your face. Yeah. And you got up and you're like, you were like young Mikey. Like, Dude, uh, you know, good. like it was like, and I think, you know, it's it's important for you, for for us as men. Mm. Um, and I think it's important for your message and what you provide and kind of have created with Fieldcraft. But people view Mike Glover as like a god among men. Mm. You know, people don't people dehumanize us when they look up to us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then I saw that look on your face yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, he's fucking back. Like, oh, so look cool, at how man. excited he is, you oh. know? So it's it's cool for me to see that. That's, that's cool. That's it's seeing. cool that you that you recognize that because that is definitely the experience that yeah. I had. And it, it like I it's given me it's probably given me an additional decade of my life. Yeah. Because now I'm like, well this is attainable you have the right guys in your network that could build this, and and um, I'm dude, I'm so excited for it. I'm so excited. Yeah. Like, when we talk about the Philcraft Jiu-Jitsu, one of the things that we wanted to do was do it the right way. A hundred percent. And the right way is you and, and Greg Anderson. There is no other people in the world. I think there's plenty of black belts, right? I, I know, I know, fifteen of the highest top level black belts likely in the country. And you guys are separate from that pack. I put Tim Kennedy and Jocko in that field as well, Chad Robichaud, because you have very profound experiences outside of the dojo. Like you talked about uh, some of the guys that you know, potentially are great black belts when they're on the mats, right. but they're bad at life. They're like white yeah. belts at yeah, life, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So when, when we look at building this program, we want to do it the right way. We want the right affiliation. We want the right people. Um, can you talk through some of those elements that makes it the right institution to lead people in their communities? I think the right institution is, is relative to what the person's looking for. But mm. for me, uh, my current Academy and what I see for Fieldcraft field craft Academy is it's, it's about jujitsu and we're going to have tough jujitsu. We're going to have killers. We're going to have, we're going to have grindy, tough people to deal with. We're going to have very good technical jujitsu. But beyond that, we're going to have a family culture, mm. a tribal mentality where people are going to come there to to enjoy other people. Mm. And I think that's the key for me at my age and with what we've all been through and injuries and surgeries. I'm not looking. I, I'm 44 years. I'm not looking to be a world champion. Mm. And honestly, I don't want to build world champions because they run off all your other students. They don't pay for memberships. <laughs> you know, they're just there to try to kill people and better themselves. Yeah. I want people that are there to not only better themselves, but better their training partners, better their community. You know, and one of the things I say in my academy, the most important person on the mat is your training partner. 
They're the most important person on the mat. Really cool. So you grab a new partner, they're now the most important person on the mat. Mm. And uh, you got to take care of them. You got to take care of them. And now we beat the shit out of each other too, but with a love, you know, with, with a love to make each other better. And, you know, setting up the academy from the get-go with the proper culture, which means the proper people in place. Yeah. Um, not a toxic culture, not a culture where people are going to knife hand and talk down to you, mm-hmm. um, where the, a culture where people know jujitsu and then also understand the business. Mm-hmm. Because I think where a lot of jujitsu academies fail is they may have great jujitsu, but the business is poor. Yeah. So all the administrative stuff and, you know, students are waiting outside. This is, this is very typical of Brazilian jiu-jitsu academies. Students will be waiting outside a locked door. And 30 seconds before class time starts, the professor comes and shows up and opens up the door. Oh, yeah. My academy is open no no less than an hour mm. before every class time starts because I'm getting the place opened up. Last minute dusting, emptying trash, making sure it smells good. You know, all, all the ducks are in the row. Is the refrigerator stocked? Mm. Simple stuff like that. But then people want to come early and hang out. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's what we're building. We're building community. Yeah. We're building resilience. We're building capability. It's not a job. It's it's not a, it's it's where I it's what I do. It's it's something that I love. Mm. And we hang out and we chat and we talk about current affairs. We talk about jujitsu. We talk about guns. We talk about you know all this stuff. And and that's for me. That's what a jujitsu academy is. Mm. I think I think it's important, especially because it's like it's like you're fathering. A community, hundred percent. Right? I say like, that all the time. I got a seventy-five-year-old yeah. son, and I've told him that, Mister Mike, seventy-five. He joined my academy at seventy-three, uh, almost seventy-four years old. Wow. Never trained before, never wrestled, never grappled. He came in the door and he goes, "I got to do something different." He's like, "I don't feel like a predator anymore." He's like, "I've got young girls holding the door open for me." Wow. You know, he's set almost seventy-four years old. Yeah. And he is a tough motherfucker. Can I say that? Yeah, you can. He's yeah. a tough motherfucker, you yeah. know? And he's an awesome person. But I told him, I said, Mr. Mike, I said, I don't want you to take offense because I know in our heads, we all still think we're 24. Yeah, yeah, for I sure. I said, but I've got to handle you with kid gloves a little bit because if you get injured, then you're not training jujitsu at all. Yeah. So I'm going to make sure you're paired up with the right person. Yeah. That's not going to hurt you. That's going to teach you so you can grow because you're going to grow slower than these young kids. Mm. And he's about to, I hope he doesn't watch this because he's about to get his blue belt this year. Really cool. Which is awesome. Um, but I tell him, you're my jujitsu son. Yeah. You know, like 75 or not in jujitsu, you're my son. You know, you're you're an infant. Yeah. And yeah, you're fathering all these people. You know, I'm a, I'm a jujitsu professor. I'm a relationship and marriage counselor. You know, I'm a, yeah. all this stuff. All you the know? things. Yeah. What, you know, what's different I've noticed about you, there's a, f- a few people in our network, including Leah Stumpf, who's very passionate about this. At SB, what is it? SBG, mm-hmm. um, yeah, straight blast gym. So I, I was super intrigued by your approach too, because you have women, including your wife, that trains and instructs, leads leads some instruction, mm-hmm. and also children. H- how is that a different dynamic than the norm, and and how is that beneficial for family thinking about preparedness? So obviously, you know. For the kids, one, as a parent of a son and a daughter, you know, I I think being capable, technically proficient is important. Mm -hmm. My daughter, when she's 16 years old, is going to have bite behind her bark. Mm -hmm. When she's 16 years old, she'll have been training jujitsu for 11 years. And there's not a boy out there that's going to do shit to her that she doesn't want done. 
which for me, that, that right there is an important part of the equation. Mm. The second part of the equation is I think what it gives kids in life lessons of being okay with losing, mm. being okay with struggle, overcoming struggle, persevering, fighting through that struggle, not just giving up. You know, in a day and age where kids are just throwing a tablet or a video game console and they walk around blindly looking at this shit and they never do anything physically demanding, mentally, emotionally demanding. It's all of that. It's emotionally, it's an emotional struggle. It's a physical struggle. It's a mental struggle. And what I've seen with my kids, not just my personal blood kids, my my children, my, my son and daughter, but all my jujitsu kids is I have these new young kids, they, they show up and they might be athletic kids and they get upset or frustrated or poor sports or cry when they get beat or they're not doing the technique properly. And I'm like, have you done this before? Oh, no. So why do you expect to be good at it? Mm. Why are you getting frustrated that you're not good at this? This is the first time you've ever done this. You know, but they're so used to just hitting A, B, A, B, A, B and, and, and yeah. winning video games or respawning or getting a new life or whatever. They live in a, in a, in a fairy tale world. And then if the ones that stick through it in a year, two years, now they're savages and they're grinding and they're getting beat and they're getting smashed and they're coming up with red faces and Gieber on their face and they're smiling. Mm -hmm. Professor, that was awesome. This is why I lost. He beat me because of this and they're cool with it and they're going to go back to the drawing board. Mm -hmm. And, and same thing with women, you know, I've seen, I've seen, I've got some women now that have been with me for five years and my wife included. And, uh, you see they're, they, they're, you know, one, one girl that trained with me for several years in particular, she came in day one and she kind of had her shoulders slumped forward and her head down and very meek and hi, how are you? And like real meek fast forward two, two and a half years, she lost a ton of weight and she wasn't overweight. She wasn't overweight to begin with really, but not super physically fit, but she got really fit, lost a bunch of weight, was walking into the gym. You'd see her walking out through the parking lot out of her car in just a sports bra and her gi pants on shoulders back walking in. Hey, how's it going? Like super confident. Wow. And you watch this change and, and just, man, to empower people like that is amazing. Yeah. It's a game changer. I think, I think that when I, when I look at preparedness in its totality, it's what we've been missing. But it's like, like you said, it's the foundation. It's the start point. And when you build it into a curriculum, like a life curriculum of preparedness where you're, you're taking the technical hard skill classes, learning about stop the bleed, learning about self-defense, um, it makes you well-rounded. Absolutely. But the base is often sports jujitsu with the augmentation, explanation, context of how it applies to self-defense, right? 100%, 100%. And you do that in your dojo, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, my my basic 101 curriculum uh, is more self-defense-based jiu-jitsu. It's a takedown to a dominant top position. And then I will teach, uh, I will teach basically how to get out of that position if you find yourself in there. And then my 201 curriculum is your sport jiu-jitsu, your lasso guard, your spider guard, your De La Hiva, the other stuff that's all part of jujitsu. And I think people make a big mistake. You know, it's funny. I was reading some of the comments on the the YouTube short you posted yesterday. And, you know, most of the comments are very, very positive. But there's some comments of, oh, it'd be a lot different if if you guys were punching or if there were, you weren't in the geese. And I agree. It would be a little different. But if you, it's it doesn't matter. The person who's been grappling, 
yeah. every day she on the mat contact. for four, five, six years yeah. is going to beat the person who's not, 100%. you know, and, and I tell people all the time, you know, guys will come in, oh, it would be different if we could punch. I said, cool, we can punch then if you want. And it would be different. You're just going to be a lot bloodier before I choke you out. Yeah. Like just because I don't punch and I play jujitsu on the mats doesn't mean I don't know how to yeah. or that I can't when it comes down to it, you yeah. know? So it's, but like you said, go train sport jujitsu. Um, what is it? Chris Howdier. I think he says, train sport, think street, mm. right? Because you can't train street all the time. Yeah. Because street, you're going to get slammed on the ground, short elbows, head butts, stuff like that. You can't train that every day. You, yeah. You're never going to train anymore, but you can train sport jujitsu all day, every day. Yeah. It's like Ipsic setting you up for all of the fundamentals of gun handling, of efficiency and proficiency and movement that's right movement target to target transitions yeah. reloads yeah. where else can you do that other than at a local match on a sunday yeah so if you are understanding the context of the game and then using that to enhance your skill set in actual gunfighting capability you, it's a win-win and it's the same thing with jujitsu you know what why do you think it why do you think jujitsu hasn't really scaled across the country and i and i mean like i there's not a lot of continuity in jujitsu it's almost like um when i started taking martial arts when i was a kid like taekwondo was the same experience no matter where you went in fact right. when i was in north carolina growing up i took taekwondo when i moved to virginia to my first duty station i was 17 and i started taking taekwondo it was the same experience right, right. olympic based because it's olympic uh, sport um, and then it had all the principles, all of the uh, the discipline, all of the process was the same. When you look at jujitsu, you have different camps, different clubs, different feelings of depending on where you go. And the hard thing that was that I realized when I was young doing jujitsu is I was I was basically going to MMA f clubs, right? Right. These MMA clubs that were that were sparking in the '90s where I went. We're just about mauling people. And yeah. often, I mean, I, I I would come out of those like having just done an MMA fight. Like I remember a few times right. it was full fight. And I'm like, that probably wasn't like really good. Or I remember like the core the class doing an MMA fight with another guy that was in the military, and we beat the hell out of each other. And the following week, several of those members that were in there left because they're like i'm not doing I don't this do that. right right I, I don't see a lot of continuity and i'm wondering like what's is there something i'm missing like what's going on so i think there's i think there's a couple of factors at play the first factor of why jujitsu i don't think is really blown up mainstream is it's fucking hard it, it is yeah. hard yeah. you're gonna have your ego tested daily I mean, I've been doing this 14 years. I'm a black belt. I have my ego tested daily, mm. you know, um, and, and to just get up and grind and know, hey, today's going to be a tough day in the gym on the mats, mm. but we're going anyway. And I don't think a lot of people have that in them anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I think that can be somewhat overcome a little bit with the right culture. And if you let them build that resilience over time, mm. whereas you know, a lot of gyms, people show up day one and they just get smashed and go, Fuck, I'm not, I'm not going back there. That was too much. Mm. So I think the whole, the whole saying jujitsu is for everybody. Mm. It can be for everybody if done correctly. Mm -hmm. The other aspect I think comes from just the Brazilian cultures, very relaxed, very kind of beachy surfery. Mm. So 
the the structure in academies, the lack of curriculum. Mm. You know, oh, today we're gonna do this. Cool. And they learn something, kind of sort of learn something, because we know repetition is king. Yeah. And then the next day they show up for class and oh yeah, we're gonna do this today. That has nothing to do with what we did yesterday. No I don't even remember yesterday. There's no yeah. progression. So I think that can turn some people off. Um and then there's the stylistic aspect of jujitsu that's not really in the traditional martial arts. Mm. You know, traditional martial arts, you have form, you have kata, um, you have uh, governing bodies that regulate like scoring and, and, and proper form and whatnot. Whereas in jujitsu, you have guys that are super bendy and play barambolo and guard and flip and roll and twist. And then you have guys that have no neck and are doing takedowns. And there's a whole personal... There's a personality to everyone's jujitsu mm. and you eventually develop your own personality and that carries through to your academy. If you come to my academy, most people that you roll with, they're going to be like, damn, you feel like Greg mm. because I'm their professor. So they kind of know what I teach them, which is my style of jujitsu. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. and my personality. Now, that being said, I have to identify students that have different body types, different personalities. And that's why as a black belt, you have to be able to do everything. Yeah. Because I've got to give my student what I think is best for them. Mm. Like my wife's a guard player and she figured it out one competition. She was like, I was so afraid to pull guard in front of you. Cause I always used to joke, like friends don't let friends pull guard. Like mm. we're not, we don't, we're not butt scooters here. Mm -hmm. Now I've changed my tune a little bit on as the years have gone on. And you know, now like, don't get me wrong. Like when I'm feeling healthy and my neck feels good and like, I'm feeling good. Like let's lock horns like elk in a rut and let's get down. Let's head fight. Let's wrestle. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of days I don't want to do that. So I pull guard, throw my lasso in, rope a dope people, sweep them, play with them, play catch and release. So you figure out what everyone's style is, but it's so stylistically different. So you go to one gym and they're all nogi and you go to another gym and they're all smoking weed before and stoners. You go to Take another plan. gym and they all got high on tights and ah, you know, and like mm -hmm. want to kill each other. And you know, it's, you've got to find the place that fits your personality, your culture, your vibe. Yeah, it's interesting. It's just uh, I, I'm not concerned about it, but I, I think in business ideology mostly, and I think about scale and influence and impact, and you know, I, I want to selfishly build Philcraft Jiu-Jitsu to a sustainable and viable service, absolutely for the community that makes a more resilient citizen that's technically proficient that has the right mindset um, and has the right resilience built into them, that they get, they have the highest probability of survival. Absolutely. So when you know you're linking up in your own community, in your own backyard, maybe even with the people that you roll with from Philcraft Jiu-Jitsu, they are capable human beings. Yes. They're the most resilient of the population. Absolutely. Um, and I think there's something to that. Um, I don't know how it evolves from here, but you know, getting the buy-in from you and Greg Anderson is a huge deal for us, man. I don't think like it's it's almost. I don't know how we got here, but however we got here, yeah, it's right. It's right. <laughs> it feels right. And it's uh, right. again, you know, like I always say, like when you said it in the beginning of of, of this, is like I'm truly humbled because who am I? I'm just a broken down. You're 40, a big deal. I'm a broken down 44 year old yeah. dude. To, to me, like yeah, I'm a black belt. Yeah, I'm a SWAT guy. Yeah, I worked overseas. I did all. But like we all did. So what? You know, you know, like who yeah. am I? But I at the same time, like I know my capability, not just on the mats and not just behind a gun or in a shoot house, but as a businessman too, as a as a leader, as a as a as 
as a student as well, you know, and that's what's so cool about this is we're all just open-minded, humble, Mm -hmm. convicted in our experience, but open-minded enough to be like, cool, let me check that out. I'll try that out. 100%. And most people aren't. Most most people aren't, especially like coming out of our industry. This is the way I've always done it. Why would I change? Yeah. You know? This is the way it is. Yeah, exactly. I don't think anything's the way it is. No, because it it just changed just now. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I think what's cool is when you collaborate like this and you realize your potential weakness. I mean, literally and figuratively and literally in business all the way down to the my inexperience on the mat and then trying to become better to identifying a deficiency in business and going, we are not going to pretend like we know what we're doing here. Right? Why would we do that when we have the ability to communicate to the experts who do it, who build it, um, and have done well at it? And I think when you when you take that, like you take a jujitsu studio with that has a success, um, and that success is maybe social equity, and the people that are involved there are becoming better human beings, and we're doing the same in a different way. And you you merge those two things together, you get amazing synergy, and I think that's your legacy. I mean, your legacy is building, fathering, breeding resilient human beings for the future. Absolutely. Like where you look back and it's like, who's that dude? Who's that black and white picture? It's like, oh, that was the first professor who started this whole whole thing that now exists in every state in the United States that's building resilience and it's echoing everywhere, right? Yeah. That's profound impact. I mean, I don't want my name. I want your. I want your name and face to be there. I don't want my face on the wall, but uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll teach. Yeah, we'll do something cool. We'll do like a cool painting or something. Your wife we, could paint hey, something. Hey, look, I, in my academy, I have my little "I love me" wall. Yeah, and when I opened my first academy, one of my one of my mentors from contracting a former Green Beret was like, "You got to put." your I love me while in your academy. I was yeah. like, I don't know, dude. You know, and I just left working overseas and contracting. I never had an Instagram, nothing, you, you know, quiet professional sort of thing. And I was like, oh, I don't know, man. He's like, why are they going to your academy when they could go to another one? 100%. What else do you offer other than just, you just, you offer a lot of life experience and other things. And so I picked out a few pictures that I liked from my experiences and stuff. And, uh, you know, my wife blew them up and framed them and laid it all out. And before the academy was open, she put them up on the wall and said, Hey, come check this out. Make sure you're happy with it. And I walked over and I was like, take it down. Mm. And she's like, huh? I was like, take it down. I'm not having that shit up on the wall in here. Like, oh, look at me. She's like, just leave it. I was like, oh, all right. So I left it up there. And sure enough, sure as shit, every customer, every person that would walk in, would walk in and go, Hey, they look at me. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Oh my God, dude, is that you? Is that, is that, you know? And then it would spark up conversation. And let's be honest, most people that have never done that think it's cool. They mm. only see that stuff in the movies. So I have my, I love me wall up in my academy. It's important. Uh, you know, I have my, my flag, some of my flags and stuff that were given to me from embassies and whatnot and the certificates and a couple cool guy pictures here and there. Uh, and it's fairly modest, but we need to have that up yeah. because why else are they coming to spend time with us? Yeah. It's instant validation. Right. It's it's marking yourself without marketing yourself. Right. Right. Because it is your experience. Yeah. It's not like you're promoting your experience. You're not paying ads behind that that picture that was taken. Right. It's so important. I, I think the coolest thing moving forward for me, for Phil Craft, is this opportunity with G1 and G2 to expand what we do well into something we're going to do better. Yeah. Um, I've felt 
guilt. I felt like something's missing in my own life, but also in Phil Kraut's survival. And we do all the courses, but the absence of jujitsu or combatives and self-defense with putting hands on people, that's, man, that's, um, we need to fix that. So we're going to make that right. Um, you have um, the ability on camera to communicate well. I mean, you're a good teacher. So I expect that that you would do that in, in content. And we're doing some content projects for the future. We filmed some YouTube videos. But we're also thinking about doing content for the future on, on our app that releases June 6th. People are already asking me about it. People really? are already messaging me going, are you and Mike going to have a full video? Ooh, yeah. yeah, people, I was like, just... Just wait, yeah. like the mauling. Just, 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 just wait. We'll just call that video the mauling. Yeah, but I mean, even beyond that, like some yeah. of the other stuff we filmed yesterday oh, yeah. and what we were talking about. Very as far technical. as I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, those video, I, I'm, I'm excited about those too. It's weird because we do a lot of things that are really cool all the time. I mean, the the woman's course we ran, we resilience, mobility, like we do a lot of cool stuff. This is some of the coolest stuff because it's so needed you guys need this stuff i'm not saying move to salt lake city even though you can but what i'm saying is in your own life even if it's with your own local support your local dojo right that should be a t-shirt that's it support your local dojo <laughs> uh, i think it's so important but i'm stoked for the future man i'm excited yeah, likewise I, I don't know what you know we're gonna figure it out but i'm just excited to have you in our network and to build friendship and to overland with you and do all the cool Heck stuff yeah. have our families break bread together it's gonna be super exciting um i'll leave you with closing thoughts yeah no I, again i appreciate it. i'm super stoked obviously i'm still pretty idealistic about all this stuff you know i i said to you yesterday like i really believe jujitsu could change humanity humble people make people nicer people to each other and uh you know in our in the ages that we're at now you know, we're not as, gah, you know, and go, go, go. But we still have a little bit of that, that in us. And for me to be able to, I still love training hard. I still love shooting. You know, I still do all, all the SWAT stuff. I still overland, off-road. I like to adventure. But for me to be able to impart that skill set, that knowledge, that passion to other people, and then to enrich their lives, because enriching our community's lives enriches our lives. It does. If my wife- Great purpose. And yeah, if my wife and kids are grocery shopping- in my neighborhood, there's a good chance there's going to be some of my other students. You know, I've got 220 something students in a fairly small area. Mm -hmm. Well, now I've just sent 220 like capable savages into my community. That's rad for me. That's mm -hmm. super rad. So I'm super stoked. I think I kind of know what it's going to look like. Mm, same. Because I I've done it with my academy and I know what's capable here and just talking to you about business. I'm the white belt in business. Mm. So you're talking about business. I'm, like, mm. I'm sucking up all your knowledge and it's going to be rad. I'm okay. excited. I'm so looking forward to it. Guys, follow the notes below. Uh, G2's notes are all down below. Uh, his Instagram, uh, the website to his dojo in Louisiana. And uh, look forward to doing some great things in the future. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it.